Welcome to Tipping Point, The Power of Clarity. I'm your host, Amina Zamani. Um, the purpose of this podcast is for us to offer two things. Number one, inspiration. Number two, experience, strength, and hope from thought leaders, luminaries, executives that have gone before us to share their specific uh, triumph. You know, we, we talk to people that have gone through trials and tribulations if they've turned that into personal power. And so today we're going to be talking with a good friend of mine, Aaron. He's CEO of an amazing PR firm. He's currently based in Amsterdam. Uh, his story is so compelling. Who he is as a human being is very, very interesting, but he has specific strategies to share with you on, you know, not to sound cheesy, but like how to live your best life. When I think about someone doing their damnedest to live their best life, Aaron comes to mind. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Hi, Amina. It's so great to be on. Yay. I know. And we just got to say your background, your jacket, everything on point. I love it. Thanks. We love bright colors in this household. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So for context, would you kind of back up a little bit and tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, and then we'll get to your tipping point. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up kind of everywhere. Uh, I originally came <laughs> from Michigan, but kind of spent time all over the United States. Um, most recently, I was in San Francisco for 12 years, which is where I got my career in doing uh, public relations and marketing for tech companies, um, both agency side and in-house. And uh, just last year, I just celebrated my one-year anniversary uh, in Amsterdam. Um, and my career started um, agency side working in the very sexy world of servers and storage and security and data infrastructure. But that's led me uh, to now for the past eight and a half years um, running my own firm, which is really focused on clean tech, green tech and sustainability, renewables, alternative energy, nanoparticles, just really cool um, cutting edge technologies. Wow. I mean, you've built your company from the ground up. You're working with, I think, luminaries and experts from across the world doing amazing things. And you're at the forefront of that. But it, you didn't always sort of start out with a silver spoon in your mouth. Like you literally built your life from scratch. So can you share with us like a bit about your background and then your tipping point? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many tipping points. But, you know, I grew up um, in a very sort of conservative Christian family. Um, and there was, you know, even that being said, there was a lot of dysfunction. There was, um, you know, it was really hard to make ends meet. My mom really couldn't keep a job. There was addiction. There was just a lot of problems. And I remember thinking to myself very early on that, you know, seeing all the volatility, um, and anger and frustration and sadness in my household thinking like, that's just not the kind of life that I want to have. And um, that led me ultimately to going to college, which, um, you know, completing college, which was, you know, kind of a major thing in my family. Um, and, you know, started to take me down uh, already a very, you know, a very blessed path, I must say. Um, that, you know, that college experience actually led me to my first job. Um, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, of all places. And from there, I got recruited out to, um, to San Francisco and I worked agency side, 
Um, and, you know, it was, I had never taken a marketing or PR class in my life. I was an econ major in college, but the, uh, you know, one of the principals of the agency really saw something in me and she recruited me out. And, you know, for personal reasons, you know, as, a, as someone who's, um, you know, out and proud, uh, the prospect of living in small town Michigan versus San Francisco is kind of a no brainer to me. Not, you know, not only were they offering more money, but they, it was the sort of, for me, um, as someone who is 22, just graduated from college in the middle of the recession, just the opportunity to be in San Francisco and start my career um, was really, really exciting and appealing. Um, and, you know, fast forward a bit. Um, when I was 25, um, I, actually when I was 24, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And this is one of the tipping points for me. You know, my mom was diagnosed with, um, with stage four cancer and she ultimately... It was through the process of her going through chemotherapy and everything that she started to see me for who I was, because, of course, there was all of the the history of us um, and our relationship that really grappled with uh, with thoughts around religion and sexuality and acceptance and how we chose to live our lives. And we finally started to see each other. Um, which is really good and very healing for us. And you know, many years ago, even before that, I got a tattoo, uh, my very first tattoo, which was this too shall pass, which a lot of people use in recovery, but I don't know it from that context. I knew it from a different context. And the context that I knew from was all about being present in the moment. And while yes, when you're when things are bad, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's always really important to remember when things are bad, that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel, but also to remember that when things are good, that you really hold on to those, that they're precious, because those two will pass. And when my mom passed, you know, at age 52, I was 25. And I thought, wow, I could be, you know, middle-aged, essentially. This, you know, I could only have another couple of decades left. And I was working a job that was okay. You know, I really, uh, you know, I was, I was working a job at an agency and I had been given a lot of responsibility and things were going well. But I didn't necessarily see myself doing that forever. And I wanted to make a change. I was like, if I only have you know, a couple decades left in my life, how am I living it? Is this how, what I want to be doing? And I made really big changes. I essentially quit my job. Um, you know, I lined up another job. I wanted to go inside of a startup to really see what that was like to get very close to the nucleus of the business, to work directly with the founders. And that was something that was really exciting to me. So I did that. I got into my first relationship. Um, which was a big step for me. And, I, you know, I wish that my parents had sort of seen me in a relationship. And But it was one of those things where that, and, and everyone deals with grief differently, obviously. And, every you know, my brother dealt with grief really differently. But I sort of took it as, wow, this was such a gift. You know, it was obviously super, super painful and hard. And, and, and you know, it just sucks to lose your parent. There's no two ways around that. But it was an opportunity for me to really look inward and be like, I, we don't live forever. This is a really big wake up call that I should be doing something with my life that actually brings me joy and fulfillment. And that's yeah. sort of set off a whole other path in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's critical, right? Like what you talked about in that tattoo of this too shall pass is life is ephemeral. And so you had an adversity that led you to deep introspection to say, what do I want? Right. But say somebody doesn't have that experience of adversity, it's still a beautiful message to consistently remind yourself this is going to pass. What is it that you really want? And I think the second thing, it's kind of a spiritual term, although you didn't, I'm sure, didn't mean for it to not religious, but spiritual, like. Essentially, like 
what is the gift in this? And every study that I've read about resilience, every study that I've read about grit and persistence and success is where people flip their lid, right? They, they literally say, hold on a second. Um, what is the gift in this? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like yeah. what led you to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of prescription that happens in people's lives. You know, I think that the way that I was raised was that, you know, you you grow up, you get married, you have kids and you die. And that's, you know, and you work at a, at a job, you know, especially coming from a, a family that was, um, you know, from Michigan and, you know, people, union jobs, you kind of just stay in the same career for decades and decades. Um, you know, coming out as gay was actually a really big turning point for me as well, because it sort of upended this idea of what my life would look like. You know, at the time, gay marriage wasn't legal, so I never really had this idea of being married. Um, it just sort of flipped the, flipped the script for me then. And having done that, you kind of realize that sometimes when you're dealt these, these setbacks or these uh, tragedies, in the case of, uh, of my mom passing, um, that you know, it's an opportunity for you to say, okay, well, is this the destiny that I actually have? And that's, that's the thing that I really wanted to get out of that experience. And I look back on that and I think, I, I don't know that I would have made the career decisions that I would have made, the personal decisions in my life that I would have made had she not died. It might've taken me a really, really long time. And I think the point that I'm getting at here is that a lot of times you hear about people needing that nudge of, you know, almost getting into a car crash and dying or finding out something that, you know, could have could have been this life altering or life ending experience for them to sort of wake up and realize that their life isn't exactly how they wanted it to be. But you don't necessarily need to have those experiences to just look around and say, OK, well, what if I was told that I only had one year or five years or 10 years or 20 years to live or whatever? Is this the life that I want to be living? And that's what I really took away from that. Um, yeah, I think like your takeaway is really powerful. I guess like what advice would you give somebody that maybe hasn't had an adversity and, you know, they're comfortably miserable. Have you ever heard of that term where I'm comfortable yeah. Things are fine, but I kind of feel unsatisfied. I feel a bit miserable. Like they don't have to change, right? They live, they live in their suburban home. They do all these things. What advice or wake up call would you give those folks? Yeah. I mean, I think that we, we sometimes gravitate towards what's comfortable. We, we go on the path that's traveled. We know how we can get to point A to point B in a reliable way. And I think, you know, a lot of people are very risk averse. I don't tend to be a very risk averse person. Um, and I think you know that about me, right? I, I'm a thrill seeker. I'm an adventure seeker. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to do after my mom died was really travel the world. I, I recognized very early on that I wanted to travel and I wanted to explore the world and experience different cultures. And for a long time, I was going to every continent every year and spending you know months out of the country by myself for the most part, um, you know, exploring. And so I think getting back to your question, the lesson is that there, you know, we tend to start from a mindset of I can't do this or this is impossible. And I think what we all have to recognize is that we are all, you know, we're smart people and we have unique skills and talents. And if you, you know, there is a will to and to find a way you are smart enough to find a way to make your dreams, whatever they may be possible.
it might take, you know, you, you might have to unturn stones that you didn't think existed. You know, in the case of starting my business, that was a totally unexpected thing. You know, I had, you know, after my mom died, I started working at a um, in-house at a startup. And then I was, you know, a year and a half into that, I was laid off. And, you know, when you're, when you're laid off, that was the first time in my life um, that I had not made a, a conscious decision about my career path. It was just cut, right? And, you know, it was one of those things where a lot of times people are just devastated and I was devastated too. But then I thought, okay, well, you know, you start to do the thing, which is you start to interview places. And for me, nothing was really landing. And as a PR person, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of journalists. And one of my journalist friends was like, hey, have you thought about freelancing? And I'm like, you know, I've only been in this gig for a couple of years. I think at that point, maybe three or four years. I'm 25 years old, like you're 26, maybe at this point. And I'm like, who's going to pay me? You know, who, how is that? You know, it's that, it's that self-limiting belief of, and sort of imposter syndrome that, you know, no one's going to want to take me on. Like that's, there's no way. And then of course, um, you know, long story short, he connected me with some people who needed PR help. And then that from there was the little seedling that grew into my business. And, you know, I've been very fortunate over the past eight and a half years for that kick in the pants of getting laid off and talking to someone, not even asking like, what should I do? But he just was like, have you thought about this? And I hadn't thought about it quite frankly. And I think that's the thing is you don't know what you don't know. And someone can spark an idea in you. And then you're like, oh, maybe I could do that. Or maybe, you know, let me at least give it a shot. What do I have to lose, right? Like there's not a lot that you can really lose. And so I started doing that and that led to a referral business that has really grown over the past, you know, eight and a half years and led me to work with so many cool um, and fascinating people, people with so many doctorates and PhDs and all over their walls. And I'm like, I can't even compete with you intellectually. It's yeah. incredible. Scientists and engineers and stuff. And it's, it's very, very cool. Um, and, not, you know, I look back and I'm like, if things hadn't turned out the way that they were, and at the time, these devastating things, I might not have ended up where I am, being able to uh, being yeah. able to do the traveling that I have done and have the freedom and flexibility of my own business. Um, and now being able to have operations both in San Francisco and also in Amsterdam. Yeah, honey, this is so inspiring because really what you're saying is you take the worst thing in your life and you see how you can turn it into gold. Like you turn water into wine, like wheat into gold. And that's hard. That takes a lot of resilience. And I, I think like what's- And they say what doesn't kill you makes you, makes you stronger, right? I mean, right. those experiences are the things that you, through that resilience, you realize that you can do more. You, can, you are stronger than you believe yourself to be. Yeah. And you talked about self-limiting beliefs. And, you know, like I said, in the 15 years that I've been coaching, I've learned some pretty obvious lessons, but nobody's stupid, nobody's lazy. And what I mean by that is people just have resistance and they have self-limiting beliefs. They were told, they were given messages that they're not enough, right? And when you're told something so much, you believe it. Right. And so you act on what you believe is true, what's possible for the world. And what you're really saying is you were at a point in your life where you didn't know what was possible, but you were receptive to an idea. Right. So in another podcast, we talked with um, the president, CEO of this amazing organization, people reaching out. Um, and she said the power of yes is so critical. And I feel like you innately have that, you know, like 
So if somebody um, doesn't have practice in the power of yes, you know, like what, what's some advice that you might give them? Like start with one yes a day or like what would you do or say? <laughs> I think the first thing to start off with is, is that it always sounds a lot harder than it is. Oh. And it sounds a lot scarier than it is. Yeah. Right. The idea of starting a business, you know, when people when I tell, especially when I was in my in my mid to late 20s, I told people I had started a business and it was very successful. They were like, that just sounds so hard. That must be, you know, how did you start? That must be impossible. And it turns out that, you know, yeah, it takes a little bit of it takes time. It takes, you know, you, you screw up, you misstep and and all of that. But it's not as hard as it looks. Um, you know, you talk to people, you, you meet people who have done the same thing, you talk to them about what they did, and you sort of copy some of that. And I think that that's true for everything. You know, people when I said, I'm going to go live in Europe, um, you know, and I'm going to pack up all my stuff and move it overseas, people were like, you're crazy, you can't do that. That's impossible. You, you know, you have to have a visa, you have to figure out all this stuff. Turns out that you can get a visa, you can figure out how to move your stuff overseas. Like there are people who have done this before. It's not an impossible proposition. Um, and it just, I think that the idea is, what I'm getting at is that it always sounds harder than the reality. You know, yeah. if you are really interested and committed to doing anything, um, there is always a way to make that happen. And so, you know, one of the things that I would also say is, as a kick in the pants, you know, you don't have to have a sort of a life threatening situation. But you know, one of the things that happened to me when I was in college was um, when, before I had ever had my first job, my first professional career job, you know, I'd given my resume to the uh, guidance counselor and they reviewed it. And I was president of the LGBT group on campus. And she looked at it and she got to that part. And I was very proud of that experience. We did a lot of great work. And she got to that part and she goes, you know, I don't think you should put this on your resume. It's gonna, you, you know, it's gonna turn you off to jobs. Like you won't get the, some applications, you won't get some job opportunities. And I considered that, and I said, you know what? Good, because if <laughs> I were to make a job at those companies, how good would that? How good would I feel working at those companies? It just wouldn't be a match, right? And there's so much time and energy that we waste being performative for someone else to make, you know, to make ourselves feel better, you know, in, in whatever career we're in, to make ourselves look better to, in interviews, to say what we think people want to hear. And the reality is, is that you just have to be yourself. You have to pursue the things that are gonna bring you happiness and bring you joy, career and in personal life, and get rid of the rest and don't focus on that. Put in the things that are gonna get people to say no, that way you can find by process of elimination, and this works in dating, this works in every, this in, in recruiting, in job, you know, get to the no, that way you can focus on the things that are really gonna provide you the sort of yeah. happiness that you want. Yeah, I think what you just said is really critical, right? Getting to the no is half the battle. Yeah. A lot of times I think in business or dating or anything, people feel discouraged when they get to the no. But I, I actually am with you on that. I celebrate it. It's hard. It's hard, right? Like you get this no and you had your hopes up and you're like, ah, not again. But I, I'm grateful for it. I'm like, great. I'm that much closer to a yes. And then the cool part about the no is, okay, this didn't work. What do I want? Right? It's going back to, okay, that didn't work. What? what will work for me. So I think in closing, I can't believe the time's almost up. Um, how, what is your strategy in figuring out what you want? Right. Cause a lot of times we know what we don't want, but how do we get clear on what we do want and then take action? Yeah. 
I mean, I think one of the things that, that has driven me most is just curiosity. And that's been my guiding principle for everything. Okay. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so you have to go out and find it. And I mean, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I, you know, go to websites of, you know, foxnews.com or whatever, just to read what the other side is thinking. And part of it is <laughs> it's the curiosity. It's the curiosity. And I know that that's just, that's, that's just me. It could be anything though, right? We know where it you stand. No Fox. <laughs> well, and the thing is, the thing, the reality is, is that you don't know what you don't know. And the only way you can find out what you like is by, is by learning about it. Right. And I listen to a lot of podcasts that talk about, you know, they have a differing viewpoints and it just could be about anything. And okay. for me, it was all, you know, finding that my, finding my passion in traveling and writing and things like that and photography, those are all things that I incorporate into my life now as a way of living. You know, I'm able to do my work from anywhere in the world. Um, and, and so that's, that's just how I've structured it. And you, and it, it's just, you have to just figure it out, take classes at the community college in San Francisco, those community co college classes are free. And I would take the classes just because something sounded interesting. I took astronomy classes. I'm not an astronomer. Why not? You know, Yeah. Yeah, you learn about it. That's amazing. Well, that's it for us. But before we close, sounds to me in summaries, get curious, educate yourself, focus on how you can turn a seemingly difficult situation into personal power. And if you don't know, do your research. You could even go to Google and say, I feel stuck. What do I do? If you don't want to read a book, if you want to listen to a podcast, just reach out. That is the formula, right? You are not alone. And I, I, and you're such a shining example of that. So for those of you that want more thought leadership from Aaron, when who doesn't, right? Uh, you can find him on Instagram at the only love bird. Uh, Aaron, where else can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Um, it's yep. my first and last name, Aaron Andre, also AaronAndre.com. I would love to hear from every one of your listeners and viewers. Um, please mention this uh, podcast. I, I think it'd be really great to connect. Awesome. Yeah. And as you know, this is on LinkedIn Live. So obviously you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, or um, Apple Podcasts, excuse me. Although it would be cool to be on Apple Music. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for joining. Until next time, have a beautiful day. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.